Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be discussing the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. And uh, we're going to talk to Stan about this. Stan, the first question I have for you is how important do you think this crusade is in comparison to all of the other meetings that you've done before? I think that in terms of what God is doing, because obviously it's not about us, it's about him and his plan. I think about Maurice Scalar and how he had the vision of the white sand of the good people and the black sand of the bad people and had the balance come up to where there was more bad in the world than good, then there was going to be a high probability that at that time the beast would be released into the world. And we have to understand that the devil has had 6,000 years to prepare for only a, well, he's here for seven years, but he gets to rule for the last three and a half years. So he has prepared the very, very best deceptions. An intelligence level above anything on earth, he fooled Adam and Eve at that time, the most intelligent people on earth, obviously. And he has been fooling people now for 6,000 years. The Bible says that if it were possible, he would deceive even the very elect. And yet God decided, because not everyone whose name is in the book of life has come to Jesus yet, along with that there's still more good in the world than there is bad, he's decided to give us a little bit more time. Okay, so we don't know how much time we've been given, but what we do know is, it's I'm talking about from God's point of view, it's extremely important that God get as many people, Jesus, get as many people into the book of life as is possible. So let's assume we only have a few more years. I'm not going to give you a number, but I mean, I'm talking about a low number. Let's assume we only have a few more years before the beast arrives one way or another. In other words, the next vision in heaven, the next courtroom might say, well, since there's more evil, I'm going to go ahead and let the beast come into the world. In other words, we could be only a few years away. So that means that it's very, very, very important that the remaining people whose names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, meaning before creation, before God said light, first he wrote the book of life and gave it to his son Jesus. They already knew that his experiment to get him a bride was going to fail. He already knew that Adam and Eve would eat the fruit and that he himself would provide a, a, a lamb sacrifice. He already knew this. So these days, more than anything, perhaps more than any time in the last 2,000 years, God is very interested in winning people to his kingdom. Okay, okay. So now, let's assume that we really do only have a few years. I'm talking about very few, a very low number. Before the beast is released, before the first seal is opened, before world government, before the fall of America. Okay, so if all of that really, really is very close, and I pray it's not, but let's assume it is. So that brings us to the next question. So what is God's plan to bring in the remaining people whose names are in the book of life but have not accepted Jesus yet? Because if our world continues on the nice... Uh, blessed path that it's on, 
where we wake up every morning, there's water in the pipes, electricity in the plug, there's a job, there's a nice, dry, clean, comfortable bed with air conditioning or heating, whatever it might be. If we have our normal life, then there's not going to be very many people that are going to come to Jesus. It's not going to increase the number. Okay, so again, looking at it from God's point of view. So what does he do to get more people, a lot of people, hopefully millions of people, to turn from their wicked ways, to turn from the world, to turn to Jesus? Obviously, he's got to pull the rug out from under them. Obviously, because I mean, if you think back in your life, you think back in life, if you talk to many people, you ask them, so tell me your testimony. How was it that you came to Jesus? Almost all of them will tell you that they found Jesus at a particularly low point in their life, either mentally, financially, emotionally, or something like that. In other words, it's when our face is on the ground, <laughs> when we have been knocked to our knees that we finally figured out, okay, okay, this is not working so good. It happened in my life. It's happened in almost everyone's life. Well, I'll give you an example. I remember very specifically, we had Dan Bowler, Pastor Dan Bowler, speaking in Omaha, Nebraska. This was about 1999. We had, uh, I think it was 650 people at the meeting that night. And I introduced him, and he walked up and he said, how many of you found Jesus? Can I see your hand? And he raised his hand. And of course, in a prophecy club meeting, almost every hand went up. He said, no, you didn't. He tackled you. He hogtied you. And he drug you into the kingdom. Now, since you've had a second to think about it, that's exactly right, isn't it? <laughs> you can see everyone look down at the ground and begin to, to kind of shrug and shake their head. Uh, yup, 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 that, yup, yep, that's right, that's right. You know, it wasn't my choice. Well, very few of us really have a choice, meaning, just like the Bible says, we think we choose him, but he chooses us. Okay, so back to the point. From God's point of view, he has got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of people, I'm going to say hopefully millions, and probably most of them are going to come out of America. We were founded to be a Christian nation, except for Babylon has fallen, has fallen, has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Therefore, God has to bring judgment. He has to pull the rug out from under us. He must. It's the only way that he can win the remaining souls, the hard-hearted, the stiff-necked, the people with scales on their eyes, the people that have pride and think that they don't need a God. They don't need this Jesus. He's just weak. And some crazy things that they think. So he's got to put a lot of them on their face. Okay, so that means the world that we currently live in, the world that we currently live in, and I'm talking about post-coronavirus too, the world we currently live in is not bad enough. It's not hard enough. It's not difficult enough. You might say that the rug got jerked a little bit with the coronavirus, but it has not been pulled out from under us. Dave, you remember you and I talked, oh, six months ago and said these are the good old days. We said everything is working. In the society today, you order something, you get it. You call someone, they answer the phone. But today, well, even though they're starting to loosen up these days, 
a lot of the things in the states across America. But still, even to this day, I just called trying to get my car in for service. Got some kind of clear liquid leaking out of the bottom of it. I called one dealership. Well, we're, we're several days behind. You can bring it down here and, and let it set. And maybe we can get to it by Wednesday. <laughs> so I'm supposed to do without a car for three or four days? You know, uh, no. But see, we're used to our world working. From God's point of view, he can't let it go on like this and win all the people to Jesus he wants to do. He can't do it. It just won't work, okay? So what's he going to do? Well, that is the question. But one thing that is not in question is you can rest assured that we don't have too many more months until there's at least another shaking of the carpet. There might be a jerk on the carpet, but if you call the Russians attacking, bombs landing all up down the east and west coasts, perhaps hundreds. I mean, like Dimitri said, he, he said, I, I saw the angel was standing beside me. I was on the west coast of America in California. And he said, I heard the drone of engines and I looked up into the sky and the sky was filled with airplanes. And the angel said, these airplanes are filled with atom bombs. And he said, and no one and nothing will be able to stop them. In other words, they're going to be able to fly across our land, dropping atomic bombs at will, with no molestation, no one flying up to stop them. So you want to guess how many atomic bombs are going to fall in this nation? I believe it's Isaiah says that the earth is shaken at the fall of Babylon, meaning so many nuclear bombs go off in America that the earth is shaken. Now, we know that Isaiah 19, I believe it is, 1921, says that the earth is turned upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. So another place in Isaiah says that the earth reels to and fro like a drunkard. So those, let's, let's say, let's say a thousand. <laughs> that may unfortunately be a very realistic number. Let's say a thousand nuclear bombs, bigger and more powerful than what hit Nagasaki or Hiroshima. Land up and down the east and west seaboard all across America. Would you call that the rug being pulled out from under America? I would. Now, you remember, I told you August the 8th of 2015, Saturday night, Lord, I don't have anything to say for the message tomorrow morning. What do you want to say? And I heard words. As I'm sitting here before God, I promise I heard words. And they said, this is the time of miracles. Then he spoke to my heart, not an audible voice, but he downloaded, believe me. If he wants to talk to you, he can talk to you. And he said, as the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one going all the way back to Adam and Eve has ever seen. And he said, you tell them that I will never leave them nor forsake them. And I'm going to meet the devil. Every step he takes, I'm going to meet him inch by inch, pound for pound, step for step. I'm going to meet the devil. You tell them I will never leave them nor forsake them. The whole point of this is not to scare us. The whole point of this is not to kill us. The point is that we, here, listen, carefully listen, listen. The point is that he can bless us. That's right, the prophecy students, the people that believe this stuff is coming. People don't have their head in the sand. They don't have their nose in the ear. They don't ignore God. They don't think all of this is rubbish. In other words, it's you. 
This is about you. He's preparing to bless you if you'll let him. He's preparing to bless you by giving you souls. What? What? What do you mean? God would bless me by giving me souls? Let me tell you. I don't have the date in front of me, but I remember it specifically. As I was drifting off to sleep that night, I thought about it. I didn't just say it quickly without thinking. I thought before I said it very carefully. After thinking, I said, Lord, just under my breath, I said, Lord, I, I want to say that I love you more than I love my wife, more than I love my children, ministry, more than I love the very beat in my own heart and the breath in my lungs. I love you. Wow. Mm. I'm sorry. The anointing just hit me. <clears throat> I love you more than I love anything. I didn't think there was anything special. But that night, he spoke to me. And he said, I'm giving you. And, and this is what I call the eternity voice. In other words, this voice came from all directions. A voice that you can tell it wasn't from one direction. It wasn't from a person. This was the voice of God. He's only spoke to me like three times like this. And it said, I'm giving you part of the harvest from the seeds sown by Billy Graham. Now, hang on. Let's talk about that a second. What's that saying? I'm giving you part of the harvest from the seeds sown by Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham, for some 50-some-odd years, did meetings in sports stadiums around the globe, probably the greatest soul winner of our time. He says, I'm giving you part of the harvest from the seeds sown by Billy Graham. So apparently these are people that almost gave their heart to the Lord. Maybe they went to a Billy Graham meeting. They saw him on TV. They heard of him, but they didn't accept Jesus. I'm giving you part of the harvest from the seed sown by Billy Graham. Then a sword appeared in my hand, a double-handed sword. In other words, I could hold it with both hands. It's very light, very sharp. I could spin it around any direction. I can remember it just as if I was there now. Then up and to my right appeared a piece of paper, about two foot by two foot, kind of curved on one end. I took the sword and I cut off about a third of the paper. And as I cut down the paper, the paper that I cut off just turned to a waterfall. And I believe God was saying that he's going to give me lots and lots and lots of... This, I'm talking about you here. I don't know if you're catching this, but you folks out there listening, I'm talking to you. The Lord is talking to you right now. It turned to a waterfall, meaning that people are going to reject this message for a long time. And they're going to reject you for a long time. But the souls will come in and they will come in very fast. I'm giving you part of the harvest from the seed sown by Billy Graham. In other words, because I said, God, I love you more than I love my wife, my children, the very beat of my heart, the breath of my lungs, I love you more than anything. He said he was going to give me lots of souls. In other words, he's going to bless me. See, we Western Gentile American Christians, <laughs> you know, we tend to think, oh, well, he's going to bless us when he gives us money, a promotion, a job. No, no, no. All of that is a vapor. What counts in eternity is the souls we win. It's what we do for the Lord. What we do when he sent us into the vineyard. Just like Daniel, I believe it's 12, 4 says, And they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. Our greatest, I hope you're hearing, our greatest blessing is winning souls to the Lord. That's what it's really all about. Winning souls to the Lord. Okay, so... 
I believe that what God is doing, from God's point of view, I believe God is preparing you. I'm talking about you people out there listening. And yes, I know we have people that kind of listen from time to time. We have pastors, buyers. But I believe God is talking to all of them. The pastor buyers, the occasional listeners, the curiosity seekers, the tire checkers, as you might say. He's speaking to all of us. He is calling us all to go into his vineyard because there's about to be a great harvest. He's about to pour out his spirit, not double portion, sevenfold. I've got three different people. The Lord has told, no, not double portion, sevenfold. He's about to pour out his miracles. Well, why? Oh, so we can get healed? No. So that he can bring in those remaining souls that are, whose names are written in the book of life. From God's point of view, he's trying to speak to your heart, especially right now. If you're listening, if you won't be hard-hearted, if you won't be stiff-necked, if you won't do this, oh, I don't know if I can get off. I don't know if I have the money. I don't know if I have the time. If you'll get off of that Western Gentile American, <laughs> if, if you'll get off of that worldly attitude and simply say, Lord, here am I. Send me to the death, to the ends of the world. Here I am at your service. I'll bend the knee to you, but I'll stand and I'll fight to the death against your enemy. If we can say Jesus truly is not just Lord, but if we can truly say Jesus is my life. Look, I can't <laughs> get emotional. I can't tell you how many times I have been in my prayer closet and I've said, Lord, to the end of the earth, to the end of my life, I'll go, I'll do, I'll say whatever you need me to say. You made me, you saved me, you've corrected me, guided me, directed me, blessed me. You're my everything. You're the center of my world, the center of my focus. I wake up in the morning praising you. I go to sleep worshiping you. You are my life. I'm closer to you than I ever thought possible. If we can just get to that point, if we can just get to the point where Jesus really, really, really is the center of our world, then here's what we'll do. We'll say, all right, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be left up in the stands. I want to be down on the playing field. I want to be part of your end time plan to fill that book to win all those souls. It's not about money, not about time off. It's not about, well, do I think God is telling me to go? No, 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 none of that. He's already called. Do you think you'd have found Prophecy Club without his calling? Do you think you'd listen past five minutes without his calling? Come on, get real. He's calling you to go into the vineyard and serve. But you do, believe me, you do. Yeah, that's not a criticism or an attack. I mean, I'm just, we're, we're talking straight here, okay? We're talking friend to friend. Just like if, if you were in my office, I'd say the same thing, male or female, boy, girl, old man or young man, young woman, old woman. I don't care who, if you're in my office right now, I'd say, here's what you need to do. You need to get to that crusade. That crusade is not a Stan or a Leslie thing. It's not a Stan or a Leslie show. And I might add, it's not a show about you either. This crusade is a God thing. This crusade is preparing you because 
Please, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm trying to tell you the truth. If you're right here in front of me, I, I'll just say, look, I've been around this game a long time, okay? You are not prepared. You are not prepared for what is coming. God has prepared Leslie and I ahead of time to prepare you. In this crusade, this is going to prepare you so that he can say to you, I'm giving you part of the harvest from the souls, from the seed sown to, to into Billy Graham. He's, he's giving you a chance to be part of the great awakening, part of the great end time revival. I believe there's more people going to be led to Jesus from now to the return of Jesus than there was from now back to Jesus' birth. What? Look. What, some say there's 7 billion. Some people say there's 14. One guy said there's 22 billion people on earth. I don't know, but I know there's a lot of people out there, and he wants to win a lot of them to him. And he's going to use miracles, signs, wonders. He's told us what the beast is going to do, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on the right hand or in the forehead, and that no man might by ourselves say he had the mark in the name of the beast or the number of his name. Hear his wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man who is number six hundred three score and six. But he's preparing you to defeat it. He's preparing you to be able to explain the mark of the beast. He's preparing you to walk in sevenfold miracles. But I can tell you right now, I'll tell you straight, you're not ready for it yet. You're not ready for it. I, I'd say bar- probably Leslie and I are barely ready for it. And the only reason we're ready for it is God's been preparing us to prepare you. It's not about, oh, what is on the news? What's coming? It's not about my job, my children. It, believe me, it's not. Life is about serving the Lord all the way to the ends of the earth. You get yourself to this crusade. I promise you, before God, I feel anointing right now. I would never lie, especially not when I'm feeling anointing. You get yourself to that crusade, and you don't let anything hold you back. And you don't jump into the world stuff. Can I go? Can I get off? Can I get the money? No. You get there. You get there. God has brought you this far because he wants to bless you some more. This is only the introduction. These are only the first few steps in the direction that God has for you. You get yourself to that sevenfold miracle crusade, and you stay at the Hyatt, and you get the meal package. And I might add, you take somebody else with you. You get your mom, dad, brother, sister, your mate, your children. You the, Look, you get everybody you possibly can. It's not that we need people there. It's not about us. And I might add, it's not about a lot of other people out there. This is about you, getting you trained. I'm going to lay hands on you. You know, there's the, probably the two most important things that can happen to you there, and David will verify this. David will tell you that before he went to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade last year, before I anointed him with oil and laid hands on him, he had never felt the anointing of God. As soon as that happened, he began to feel the anointing of God. You need to get my hands laid on you. Not that I'm special, but God is using me. And if you'll let him, he'll use you too. I want to lay hands on you. Sorry, I can't do that by radio. Can't do that by video. You got to get there. Lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and I'm going to pray a very special prayer that God will give you the revelation anointing as Andre Bronkhorst prophesied without even knowing me, prophesied that I have that gift. 
You've heard me read it. I have it. So does Leslie. How many places can you go to get an apostle and a prophet to lay hands on you and ask that they're anointing, the anointing of a prophet, the anointing to be able to teach and understand Bible prophecy? How many places do you know someone that will anoint you, lay hands on you, pray that you get blessed, pray that you are ready to walk in the sevenfold miracles, pray that you're ready for the great awakening, to win souls, to give an answer, to walk in sevenfold miracles? How many places? Answer, zero. Most of the ministries, I'm going to tell you something, most of the ministries out there are trying to survive. Yes, God has called them. I don't have an argument with that. But most of them are concerned more about money than they are souls. Now, you've heard me say enough things on here. You know that is not my motivation. My motivation is souls. And if you're listening, your motivation is also souls, my brothers and sisters. You get yourself to the sevenfold miracle crusade. No joke, okay? Let's just talk straight here for just a second. You get yourself to this sevenfold miracle crusade, and then you come in with bells on. I might say it this way. <laughs> in other words, you come in to learn, to grow. You come in as an empty vessel. You're not walking in trying to show us who you are or what God has done with you. No, we're all walking in humble. And instead, you walk in as an empty cup. Here am I, Lord. Fill me, train me, teach me, send me out, and use me in this great awakening. Use me. Fill me up. Leslie's going to lay hands on you to receive a prophet's anointing. That doesn't make you a prophet, but it certainly gets you in the right direction. Why? She specifically is going to spend three and a half days, well, maybe three days, teaching through the school of the prophets so that you can better hear the voice of God, specifically walking in miracles that I don't think, I don't think, at least I haven't heard of, anybody on the planet doing what she's doing. Oh, yes, there are some people out there that conduct, conduct prophetic training. But not like Leslie. Not what you're about to get. I'm going to show you the charts. I'm going to explain to you the basics of Bible prophecy so you can, there isn't anything like this. That's the reason God has raised it up. That's the reason God has raised it up at this time. You get there. You get there and you don't let anything stop you. And you walk in hungry, spiritually hungry. I'm here. I'm here to serve the Lord. And you get there. You get as many people as you possibly can get there. And you don't let anything stop you. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com So to answer the question from God's point of view, he's running out of time. He knows he's running out of time. The devil is knocking on his door. He's screaming bloody murder. It's been 6,000 years. I want my time. I want my time. I want my time. He also knows he has not got all of the names that are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world saved yet. So he's using sevenfold miracle crusades. We're not the only one. There's going to be a lot of them. But I believe it'll be one of the primary ones. He's going to use sevenfold miracle crusades to first get you trained. You trained. Because we're going to need some people up in the stands. We're going to need some people down on the football stadium floor. Down on the football field. Laying hands on, ministering. And leading people to the Lord and working in those miracles. It's not going to be a one-man show where Stan or Leslie is up on the platform, come up and they lay. No, 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 no. It's going to be you, you down on the football field, down on the soccer stadium field. 
and you are going to be walking in sevenfold miracles. If God has you give a prophecy, you will give it. You will be directed by the Holy Spirit. This is your chance for your ministry for the last days. Now, you can walk away. You can give a, a worldly excuse. Anybody can, and some will. Or you can say, no, this is a God thing. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm going to get there. There are very few things. No, I don't think there's anything. There's nothing in this life more important than leading a soul to the Lord. And at this sevenfold miracle crusade, I, I know what we're going to be doing. I know. You know, we've had over 60 of these kind of crusades. But this one, these sevenfold miracle crusades, different. They are better. They are better than anything we have ever done. Matter of fact, the one we're going to do this year is at least twice better than what we did last year. And last year was off the chart. You get there. I promise you. You get there. I promise you. You will change. You will love it. But more importantly, when that sevenfold miracle starts, when that judgment hits, when the rug gets pulled out from under people, when they finally get rid of their pride, they finally decide, oh, they need God, you're going to be ready. Sevenfold Miracle Crusade. Stop.